Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want a bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 14 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. And with me, as always, is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. In this episode, we're breaking down the players at the top of our rankings, which are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we are high and low on, and we're speculating on some props. And joining us for all of that is one of the greatest season-long fantasy football players in the world, Nelson Sousa. Nelson is part of the Arbor Pro team. He has over $1 million in fantasy career earnings. In 2016, along with his partner, David Hubbard, he won the FFPC main event, and he is an NFFC Platinum League two-time winner. Nelson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's week 14. The fantasy playoffs are here. Uh, Any big picture takeaways from week 13? And then how are you positioned for the playoffs across all of your different leagues? The two big ones for me were it looked like Christian McCaffrey might be slowing down a little bit from that heavy workload. Maybe it was just a chalk it up to a bad game, but it it looked like to me, like he dropped a few passes in that game, uh, which is uncharacteristic for him. Sometimes tired legs, tired body. And then obviously last night, you know, the Dalvin Cook injury could be a big factor in fantasy playoffs if uh, that's something that's going to linger or maybe knock him out this week. Yeah, the Dalvin Cook news, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. He was injured on Monday Night Football. As of recording, we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. He says that he uh, is planning to play in Week 14, but everyone be sure to keep an eye on that. Let's jump into Week 14. Uh, let's start with the quarterback position. At the top of our rankings, we have Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, and Russell Wilson. Nelson, it's obviously early in the week, but uh, do you have any thoughts on those guys or other players that you would put into the top tier? 
Lamar Jackson, Wilson, those guys, you you just got to play them if you have them. I think uh, I kind of subscribe to – I don't mind playing matchups, but I kind of subscribe to you you play your studs, especially the guys that kind of got you there and have performed. You know, Watson kind of showed us that he's matchup proof, right? Kind of had a tough matchup against New England and uh, just rolled them up. Lamar Jackson, same thing against San Francisco. You figure, ah, you know, this could be one of his down games. No, not the case. So I think you guys pretty much, you know, hit those guys. I I wouldn't probably get cute with starting any other quarterback over them. Is there uh, anyone that you think you are relatively high on this week, maybe kind of relative to the, um, the perception of that player across the industry? I'm kind of high on Kyle Allen. Uh, this week in uh, Danny Dimes or Danny Bitcoin, whatever uh, he goes by each week. So those are probably the two guys that I'm high on that probably most people maybe wouldn't be thinking of starting them in their fantasy playoffs. Let's hear it for Danny Dimes. All right, Sean, I want to kick it to you looking good over there in your Action Network hoodie. One, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Two, who do you like this week? Um, so I like a guy, I was pretty low on him last week, but it's Sam Darnold. Um, I ended up being like minus five or six on ECR on Fantasy Pros. I didn't think he was a top 10 QB last week, but this week I think he is um, at home against the Dolphins. I um, mean, he's only 6K, so I think he's a great play in DFS this week as well. Um, should be low owned after last week's dud. But, you know, the Dolphins are a perfect get right spot. And this is the time of year where Robbie Anderson comes out of hibernation and start just tearing it up with that connection with Robbie Anderson heating up. Um, this is a great spot for them to air it out. Um, and, he, you know, he has Crowder, you know, epic tight end Ryan Griffin. Uh, we've talked about way too much the past few weeks, but I, I just love this spot. So he's my QB8 to start the week. All right, QB8. Raybon, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. You're looking relatively tired, like a guy who just stayed up all night working on his Action Network rankings, which I am sure you did. Who are you relatively high on? Definitely always a break night on, on Monday nights into Tuesday morning when we record the pod. Uh, and as far as guys I'm high on, like Ryan Tannehill this week, Oakland's defense, number one, you know, a couple of tough losses. They might kind of be, you know, checking out a little bit. Their playoff hopes are starting to dwindle. Titans are still focused. So like Ryan Tannehill is a, is a top 12 QB this week. I, I think if you're going a little further down, maybe more of a, a DFS dart throw Devlin Hodges, the Arizona Cardinals, we know that they are going to play at a higher pace. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers have been in these really low-scoring kind of games, but we saw Jared Goff get right last week against this Cardinals team, and I think uh, Hodges and that, and that Steelers offense could have some surprising success uh, against the Cardinals as well. Yeah, I like the, uh, the duck call there. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes, and actually I should say, to go off of what you said with Ryan Tannehill, he has the, the easiest playoff schedule of any quarterback uh, in the league going against uh, the Raiders and Texans in week 14 and 15. A harder matchup against the Saints in week 16, but uh, he has a, a chance of uh, helping you at least get to the, the championship game with those two, uh, those two matchups. I'm going with Mahomes as someone I'm, I'm relatively high on um, at New England, which uh, you know, might seem kind of desperate, but I'm impressed by what Lamar and Deshaun have done against the, uh, the Patriots so far. Uh, and I think in the two games that he's had against this Patriots defense, uh, both of them last year, you know, once in, I believe, week six and then in the AFC championship game, uh, I thought Mahomes looked pretty good. Um, he seems basically still to be the same guy that he was last year. Uh, so I, I like what, uh, 
what he has the possibility of doing. And I think people are probably going to be a little bit too low on him because of the matchup. Take me home at the homes. Nelson, who are you looking to fade or to stay away from this week? In DFS, I'm probably looking actually to stay away from Mahomes. So I'll go with the contrarian approach with that one with you. My thinking is New England's defense, uh, the last couple of weeks when they faced Lamar Jackson and Watson, I noticed something where they, they haven't been running those zero blitz looks that they were running at the beginning of the year. The defense has been really vanilla. Also, um, I'm a Patriots fan, so full disclaimer. Uh, so I've been following them for quite a few years. And um, with, with Belichick, he's kind of like that next level thinker. So I think he's looking at it as we're going to possibly face these guys at some point in the playoffs. So with like Mahomes, he kept it vanilla with those guys. And you think like their defense is not, not that great because they're facing good quarterbacks. I actually think that he's purposely going vanilla, you know, for a reason with matchups maybe later in the season. Mahomes, they kind of already know that offense and, and what they got to do. So I, I think that's going to be kind of a, a tough matchup for him. And, and most people are probably going to stay away from Mahomes just looking at New England I, unless they want to be like really contrarian. The other one, pretty obvious, would be like Josh Allen. Um, he's been really solid for fantasy, but this wouldn't be the week that I would be interested in playing him. Drew Brees uh, would be the, the other guy that I'd be fading this week. I, I wouldn't have any interest in. So those are probably the three like big quarterback fantasy names that I would uh, leave alone. Sean, how about you? Who do you dislike this week? Um, so the guy I dislike, he's actually my QB9. So I still like him in season-long leagues. But uh, for DFS, Kirk Cousins, the second highest-priced QB this week. They're at home against Detroit, which is a great matchup. Uh, but, you know, two touchdown favorites here. They probably don't need Cousins to throw too much to win. I, I also think Mahomes is a bit overpriced at 7K. But you can make a case. I mean, he has the upside to warrant that price no matter what the matchup is. But Cousins just, you know, he doesn't have the rushing ability. He doesn't, you know, carry – that high of a ceiling to warrant being, you know, $200 more than Deshaun Watson or a few hundred more than uh, Jameis Winston. So I just think at that price this week, uh, he's a complete fade for me in DFS. But like I said, season long, you know, he's still a low end QB one, um, pretty high floor this week. You know, they, they have the highest team total. So I do like him, but uh, he should not be the second most expensive QB this week. Raybon, who are you staying away from? Drew Brees. Uh, I think that's the one that really stands out. Uh, usually he's a lot higher, but well outside the top 20 for me this week. If you just look at what San Francisco has been able to do against quarterbacks that cannot really move in the pocket. They just meet at the quarterback and it's been ugly. I mean, we saw it with Aaron Rodgers, 20 of 33, 104 yards. Only Andy Dalton <laughs> has thrown for 300 against San Francisco. And that was way back in week two. And it took like a long garbage time. John Ross touchdown to get there. They've held uh, each of the last three passers they've faced to 150 yards passing or fewer. It's just, it's just a really tough matchup for Breeze. And, you know, he'll probably complete his balls to Michael Thomas, but uh, there, there's not really enough with that Saints offense where he can kind of spread it all around at this point uh, for, to, to warrant uh, touching him against this defense. 
uh, Raymond and Nelson. I'm with you there on Breeze. I have him uh, outside of the top 20, I believe number 23 right now. Uh, as you mentioned, very tough matchup. Another guy I'm lower on still in the top 10, though, is uh, Matt Ryan going against the Panthers. Panthers have a good pass defense, and there's uncertainty with Julio Jones and Austin Hooper this week. Uh, even if those guys play, they might be limited. So I just kind of want to get a little more clarity on the situation of the players around him before I, I potentially bump him up. But right now, I'm a little bit lower on him. Uh, Sean, I want to kick it to you for this week's quarterback player prop. By the way, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs prop tool going back to last season. The plays with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate. Pretty, pretty good, Sean. What do you have for us? So we've already talked about it a few times, uh, but uh, Patrick Mahomes at New England, uh, I wanted to do his passing yards prop. And right now, I feel pretty good about this, but right now I have it at 278 and a half. I'll go under. I mean, no one's hit that against New England yet. A lot of the success going against the Pats has come, you know, with quarterbacks who can kind of use their legs as well or, or just give that threat. And even last week when Deshaun Watson didn't really do that, I know they had the trick play, uh, but he had negative one rushing yards. And so you would think he would have, you know, gotten over in the air, but he also had only uh, 234 pass yards, 25 attempts, so pretty good YPA. But I think you also have to be concerned with the, with the New England offense and their ability to even create, you know, shootout environments at this point. So I'll go under. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, Mahomes does have sneaky rushing upside. Yeah. And he's, he's shown out the past two games, but yeah, I agree. I have the projection for under around 270, but that said, screw my projection. I'm, I'm going over. In his two games against the Patriots, in the AFC Championship game, he had 295. In week six, he had 352. Even if the Patriots don't make it super competitive, I still think it's going to shoot out a little bit. And I like the weapons that he has around him. If the Patriots really look to take away Tyreek Hill, which I think is what they're going to do, I still think Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson and Michael Hardman can give him enough production through the air for him still to hit the over. So I will go over. I mean, I don't feel great about it, but I'm, I'm going to be bullish on him. Well, I'm going to say that I think Belichick is going to allow them to run the ball. They're going to put probably uh, the Jackson kid on Tyreek with uh, safety help over the top. And I actually think that Gilmore, you might see Gilmore on Travis Kelsey a little bit or Jamie Collins on Kelsey. I'm going to say Belichick's just going to make them kind of methodically march down the field. No big plays. So I'm going to go on the under for Mahomes. I think they're going to play two deep safety and allow them to kind of run the ball a little bit. Okay, to totally derail us, although I think this is an, an interesting football conversation. Uh, Nelson, I, I'd like your thoughts on this a little bit more since uh, you're a keen football observer and a, a Patriots fan in particular. So last year in the AFC Championship game, they did put, um, I believe it was Jonathan Jones, on uh, on Tyreek Hill with safety help over the top. So similar to, to what you're suggesting that they might do this week. But this year, they've really just put Gilmore on opposing number one wide receivers, like militantly, regardless of the type of receivers he's been going against. It's been big guys. It's been small guys. It's, it's really just been every opposing number one receiver. What makes you think that they might do something different this week? Is it just because they're more familiar with the Chiefs, or is it because Tyree Kill is just unlike any other wide receiver that they faced? 
Yeah, uh, both to those questions would be yes. So I, I think they're familiar with Kansas City. Tyreek presents kind of a uh, little bit more of a matchup problem for Gilmore. And I'm not saying that he can only cover the traditional wide receiver that lines up in the outside or the, the slot. But Tyreek, you know, they, they run him on these jet sweeps and, and everything. Yeah. I just, the Jackson kid is probably their fastest corner on defense. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just going to put him on him, really kind of keep him close to the line of scrimmage so that he can track him uh, on those jet sweeps and those movement plays uh, pre-snap and then with safety help. And I think Gilmore is going to be the guy that either – you know, they're going to say, hey, you know, let's just put you on Watkins or match you up with uh, Kelsey every once in a while, depending on what, what the play call is. So that that's my thinking uh, behind that. Uh, otherwise, yeah, any other receiver, I think Gilmore just lines up with the number one. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I think the, the way that the Patriots choose to defend Tyreek Hill is how the game is going to be defined. Like that will be what determines how the game plays out. One, one thing to keep in mind, too, is that the Patriots, we did see them start to switch it up a little bit in, in that game against Houston the other night where uh, they, they were dropping back into a lot of zone and they haven't played much zone coverage. So I, I think it's that time of the year where, you know, they, they're probably going to try to do some things to, to throw opponents off and break tendencies at this time of the year. All right, let's get into running backs. The guys we have at the top of our rankings, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott. Obviously, keep in mind, uh, Dalvin Cook, Uh, left Monday Night Football, so keep an eye on that. But right now, Nelson, is there anyone else that you would want to include in the top tier of running backs for week 14? This guy kind of has disappointed pretty much like all year. Uh, He's just been just average. But this is the week I think that he has like his like true breakout game and it's Le'Veon Bell. So he would be one guy that I'd be really interested in this, this week. The other guy that I wanted to mention would be Melvin Gordon, possibly lower-owned type of running back um, that I think has a really good matchup. Jacksonville looks like they kind of have given up a little bit on on the season, not really playing too hard. Uh, so that would be another play. I mean, you you look, you know, the the past two weeks, running backs have just been crushing uh, Jacksonville. You know, Tampa Bay is kind of hard to – to put up there because they they just, they don't have really good running backs per se, but you know, Barber got a couple of touchdowns. You're able to run the ball on them. So I would expect like Gordon and Bell would be like the two guys that I think have the ceiling, the upside to kind of be like total like slate breakers at more of a lower owned percentage. Mm -hmm. Sean, what do you think? Who are you relatively high on? Week 14, just taking a step back is this full of, headache like committee backfield type situations and Ray behind and I were joking last night we could just do the entire pod on running backs this week um, and there's only one running back that's I consider a workhorse back um, that's under 5,500 and that's Devonte Freeman um, he's going to be a little under the radar just because you know he's been out for a few weeks and then he played Thursday uh, night for the Thanksgiving slate um, but I love this matchup at home you know the Falcons are slight favorites um, and he got 21 touches his first game back so um, this is a matchup against Panthers that just got crushed by both uh, Darius Geis and Adrian Peterson last week. So this is a spot where I'm looking to get Freeman at hopefully, you know, lower ownership um, and, and pretty cheap considering um, he's he's one of the few workhorse packs left this time of year. Um, and the other guy, you know, speaking of just the committee backfields, the guy that I think uh, I might take a stab at in a few teams 
would be Jordan Wilkins. You know, before Marlon Mack got hurt, he was clearly the backup where if, you know, Mack went down, I, I think we'd all, we'd be all over Wilkins. Um, unfortunately, he had that ankle injury. So he, he had to miss that first game. So Jonathan Williams sort of carried, you know, he got the starter role for the past couple of games. But uh, last week, uh, Wilkins outtouched Williams. I, I don't know if it was due to injury or game flow or what, but um, I think there's a chance that Wilkins could have inherited the starter role. And, you know, this is a, t- a tougher matchup against the Buccaneers, but at 3,700, um, I think he's worth a flyer. And this is a one of the many backfields I'm going to be looking into this week and trying to get right. But I think Wilkins could be a sneaky uh, play this week. Raymond, what about you? Who do you like? One guy I'm, uh, I'm looking at is Philip Lindsay. Uh, I think the Texans, you know, since they've lost J.J. Watt, uh, that run defense is 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 not very formidable, and it kind of went under the radar with all of the talk and narrative about what's ailing the Patriots and in their receivers getting lack of separation and Brady frustrated. But James White goes for fourteen for seventy nine, uh, so that's over five yards to carry. Michelle ten for forty five four. 4.5 and then Burkhead also had three for 15 so that's five yards to carry well over 100 yards the week before Jonathan Williams goes over 100 uh, and Naeem Heim goes over over 50 on just nine carries uh, and then the week before that uh, they give up uh, 178 yards on the ground combined to Ravens backs and I'm not counting uh, obviously Lamar Jackson just the, the running back so uh, this Texans run defense just think they're due to kind of get exploded on and Lindsay. Over the last three games, he's getting he's seen his uh, t- carry share tick up to where uh, they've had 62 running back carries and he's gotten 46 of them, 74%. So right, he's getting three out of every four now. Whereas early in the year, he was right around 55%. So uh, like Lindsey to have a, to have a big game against Houston. All right, one guy I'm relatively high on is Mark Ingram uh, going against Buffalo, which has a strong defense, but much stronger in its pass defense than its run defense. In fact, they have a, a pretty marked run funnel defense. Uh, and I'm expecting the Ravens, who are number one in the league in rush success rate, to stick to the running game quite a bit to, uh, to exploit the weakness of the team they're facing. So I, I think Ingram will have a, a pretty decent rushing game, and I could see him you know, falling into the end zone a couple of times, which just seems to be the main way that he gets fantasy points. But uh, at this point, it's happened enough to where I think it's, it's pseudo-reliable. Uh, Nelson, I'm wondering who are you relatively low on? He's not on the main slate, but uh, the guy I probably wouldn't have touched uh, is uh, Zeke Elliott on the Thursday night game. And that's only because I just uh, saw that um, Hakeem Hicks is uh, returning back to practice for the Chicago Bears. Um, And he actually is what makes their defense uh, click. Um, So I'm not going to mention him, but I'd probably say that it's McCaffrey. I think... Against Atlanta, it looks like just like a premium matchup. I don't know. He's super expensive, and it, it makes it hard to kind of fit, you know, the rest of the players that I would want to play. So I'm kind of more in the mid-tier of running backs. So McCaffrey would be a guy – listen, he's a monster, but he's probably a guy that I'd probably – am going to, you know, leave alone this week. Sean, what about you? I mean, Tevin Coleman's value has hit rock bottom. There's no way I'm spending 5100 on him this week at New Orleans. Uh, Mostert has definitely looked like their best back the past two games, and Matt Breida returns this week. So I'm avoiding just all backs on this team, especially if you're in season long. I don't think you could trust any of these backs. They're all ranked in the, you know, RB 40 to 50 range for me right now. Um, And you even have, like, Jeff Wilson lurking around for potential vulture touchdowns. So 
I, I know we've been kind of banking on Tevin Coleman to break out of his funk, but with, with Matt Breida back, I just say leave him on your bench this week and complete fade for me in DFS. Um, and the other guy um, is Kareem Hunt. I believe he's the eighth most expensive running back on DK, which is way too high. Um, I get the the whole matchup against the Bengals um, is a smash spot for running backs and stuff, but I think this this is going to be more of a Nick Chubb game. I could see Chubb getting you know twenty five plus carries this week. Um, there's not really a need um, to use Cream Hunt too much, so I just think at this price he, he's more of a a high floor low end RB two flex kind of guy. Uh, I don't think he really has a ceiling this week to to warrant being the eighth most expensive running back on the slate. Raybon, what about you? For me, it's probably James White. I think that he is going to be uh, higher owned than, than he normally would because of the big game on national TV. And now you kind of look at the, the Chiefs, the matchup against the Chiefs, and you say, okay, well, they're a high-scoring team. Maybe the Patriots uh, are going to get behind and have to throw the football out. But I just don't see – you know, White had a, a season-high 14 carries. He played 68 snaps. And now they are essentially on a shorter week. I just don't see him doing that in back-to-back games. And he had a, a relatively quiet uh, afternoon against the, the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Six carries, 23 yards, four catches, 49 yards, no score. So nothing you know, too out of uh, you know, big for, for him in that one. And I think what the Patriots may actually uh, want to do, given that they, they've been struggling in the past game, is – start you know they haven't really had a fullback all year but they're using a Landon Roberts a little more there they also have finally have two tight ends healthy in, in Watson and Lacoste I think they might try to go bigger maybe tackle eligible uh and, and run on the Chiefs a lot to uh to, to keep their offense off the field so uh that's what I'm looking for I'm looking for more of a Michelle game than, than a white game this week all right. And uh, Nelson I'm with you on being relatively low on Ezekiel Elliott uh, as you mentioned uh, a tough defense he's facing in Chicago. I expect a lowish scoring game. Uh, I still think he's a a top 10 back, but uh, it wouldn't be surprising if he scored outside of the top five this week. So that's my perspective on him. Sean, give us the running back prop. So th- this is assuming uh, Kalen Balazs is out this week. I'm pretty sure he's going to – he suffered a season-ending injury. I haven't seen any confirmation of that yet. But assuming he's out this week and Patrick Laird takes over the backfield – uh, for the Dolphins, um, I want to do his rushing plus receiving yards prop. Uh, they're at the Jets this week, um, and I have it at 59 and a half right now. I mean, I'll take the under, considering that um, he's a Dolphins running back uh, with the Dolphins, playing for the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take the under. I'll go over. I have him a couple yards over, uh, but I should mention that most of that – is coming through the air. I think he'll have success in that area. The Dolphins are just they're they're in need of guys to throw the football to, and uh, I think Laird is a, a much better player than than Bellage and will catch some footballs. He played about sixty percent of the snaps last week. I expect that could tick up, and, and also the Jets are are among the league leaders in catches allowed to running backs. Yeah, I liked your uh, projected line for him last night. Uh, I'm on the same page. Eight carries for zero yards with 11 catches for 102. <laughs> I mean, that's basically it. <laughs> the poor man's McCaffrey. <laughs> I got to go with the under. I, I just don't trust that coaching staff. We're at the end of the year right now. If, if I'm going to go, like, you, you want to win, like, a million dollars and play, like, the $20 GPP, I would go with, like, a guy like Miles Gaskin. 
you know, who like has even like heard his name talked about all year long, just when you think like you have it all figured out and they're going to play the poor man's McCaffrey, it's going to be Miles Gaskin out there getting like all the touches uh, with Laird playing a little bit on passing down. So I'm, I'm going to take the under. I, I just don't, I don't trust it that, you know, Laird's just going to be like the full-time guy. So that's pretty much where I am. I think there's just too much uncertainty with that backfield. I mean, I, I could see it happening, but I'll, I'll look to fade it. Joining us to talk some NFL DFS is Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how was week 13? Week 13 went well. Uh, ended up shipping the Thunderdome over on DraftKings. Had a, a good tournament lineup over there. Season long, didn't go nearly as well, but still good week. The, the Dolphins-Eagles game paid off, and uh, my biggest regret was not listening to you and getting some Peyton Barber shares, but ready for uh, week 14. Yeah, anytime you can uh, play Peyton Barber when it makes no sense, you pretty much have to. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into week 14. How are you approaching cash games and GPPs? Initially, it was looking like we might have a ton of just huge chalk uh, with Madison playing over Cook, but it sounds like Cook's going to play now. Uh, we got Peter Overset's boy, Laird, uh, as one of the, the chalk plays. So I'm going to differentiate by getting off some of this thin value potentially uh, in tournaments and in cash. They're probably going to be in the strong plays, but pretty open week and uh, should be really exciting. All right, let's talk about quarterbacks. Who are you looking at right now? Yeah, the quarterback that I definitely want exposure to who's uh, at the top of my model and just seems like a smash play is Deshaun Watson. I know the Broncos have, have you know a good defense on paper. Some Still some really good players, Von Miller, Chris Harris, and some other guys, Shelby Harris. Shout out to Shelby. But this Houston team has a huge total, and Deshaun Watson's been awesome. He's only 6,500 on DraftKings. You know, he's 900 cheaper than Lamar Jackson who's going into Buffalo. So he's the clear-cut, safe, high-upside quarterback that I like quite a bit. Uh, if I'm not playing Deshaun Watson, you know, it gets tricky because guys like Jameis Winston, Sam Darnold, who I like quite a bit for both those guys, they're in similar price ranges to Deshaun Watson. So that part's tricky. If you want to go all the way down, I think Derek Carr is interesting. And Ryan Tannehill is not getting enough credit for how well he's played. So that, that game uh, for savings makes sense to me. Yeah, the one nice thing about Watson is that you saw him just have a slate best week last week going against the uh, the Patriots who right. hold opposing quarterbacks to the fewest fantasy points per game. So uh, we know that regardless of opponent, he has slate winning upside. Let's talk about the running backs. Who do you like there? <laughs> yeah, well, I mentioned him already, but Patrick Laird is rating pretty well. Uh, he's cheap and with Balazs going to... The IR, it looks like Laird's going to be the main guy. They just signed uh, Zeller, so uh, he's rating well. The Jets have been stingy versus the run, a lot easier to pass against, but that might set up well for Laird, uh, who certainly can be used in the passing game. Uh, then you have a lot of middling options. I think Devontae Freeman makes sense at 5,400. Certainly could go to James White, although that feels a little chasey and it's always hard to predict uh, New England running backs. Jamal Williams is another guy who's rating pretty well currently. So is Aaron Jones. So deciphering that backfield will be challenging. I'm still going to be buying some Alvin Kamara shares, even at 7K, hoping for touchdown regression. Uh, it would be funny if he, he finally got it in against San Francisco, who's been a great defense all year. But uh, they have been more susceptible against the run recently. And I think Alvin Kamara makes uh, quite a bit of sense if you're going to pay up. At wide receiver, who do you like? Yeah, wide receiver Michael Thomas, uh, you know, off a really disappointing Thanksgiving game, I think makes a ton of sense. He Before that game, his worst game had been 16 fantasy points. Uh, and I think against San Francisco, they're going to have to pepper him. So I like him, I like DeAndre Hopkins, like Mike Evans to finally go off. 
Uh, but if you're looking to save, there's some options I think are interesting. I think the Jets receivers make a lot of sense. Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. Uh, assuming Demarius Thomas, I'm sure, will be questionable again. Is uh, in there. I think he's fine. Uh, and then going a little bit down the board, um, you know, there's some guys that that are are tricky to pull the trigger on, but for tournaments, someone specifically like Mike Williams going against the Jaguars, uh, who've been a really bad defense uh, over the second half of the season. I think he makes sense at 4,500. Kenny Stills to stack with Deshaun Watson at only 3,700 is another play. And man, DJ Shark burned me last week, but uh, I'll be buying his talent. Uh, we'll see. This Chargers defense has gotten a lot healthier, but he's still popping somewhat in my models. You mentioned Mike Williams on pace for over 8,000 receiving yards, no touchdowns so far after 11 touchdowns last year. So at some point, you figure there has to be some regression. Uh, let's talk about tight ends. Who do you like there? Yeah, George Kittle is my, my top tight end this week. And I was wrong about the top tight ends last week, but I'm going back to him. Uh, George Kittle, love him against New Orleans. I think they're going to have to throw more. The downside with George Kittle is he's such a great blocker that they use him to block in the running game so often. But when he runs routes, uh, I just love his talent. Hunter Henry, uh, if you're going to go away from Mike Williams, I think makes a lot of sense. And then for cheap, if Greg Olson gets cleared, that's a good matchup uh, against Atlanta. I think that certainly makes sense. And then Vance McDonald, if you're going to do the flow chart, uh, every tight end has gone off against Arizona, it seems. They've been awful versus that position. And uh, Vance McDonald, 4,300 DraftKings, I think makes sense. All right. Are there any potential under-the-radar stacks that have your eye right now? Yeah, it's tricky. You know, early in the week, it's kind of interesting trying to gauge ownership. I, I will say Ryan Tannehill, uh, and maybe he'll end up being a little chalkier than I think now, but he has been awesome since starting for this Tennessee team. And I like a lot of the pass catchers uh, for the Titans, uh, specifically Brown, who's been just a ridiculous uh, athlete so far. We knew that coming in, but it's really paid dividends. Corey Davis, still a, you know, a high-rated player. Uh, who's struggled with injuries and consistency, but he's only 3,900. Uh, I really like stacks with Tannehill. And if you want to get sneaky, you don't even have to stack him up because he has so much rushing upside. So I'm going to look to uh, that Titans offense and potentially pivoting off Derrick Henry and uh, leveraging that passing game. All right, that was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week 14. Okay, let's get to the wide receivers. The three guys at the top of our rankings right now, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Nelson, is there anyone else that you would want to put in the top tier? I'm probably going to say that I like uh, DJ Moore a lot this week. I could see him being like the – again, I, I like Kyle Allen this week in, in that game. I'm fading McCaffrey, so it kind of makes sense for me to want to see you know a guy like DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel do well. But DJ Moore is just – he's getting like wide receiver one usage right now the last few weeks. So he's the guy that I think uh, could be a top five wide receiver and could challenge those guys. Yeah, we are right there with you. Uh, I have him ranked number five. Raybon has him ranked number two. Uh, so we are pretty on him this week. And to, to put some perspective on this, with the yardage that DJ Moore is getting as a 22-year-old, here are his historical comps ranging from the high end to the low end. Randy Moss, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Juju, Amari, Allen Robinson, Corn Robinson, and Michael Clayton. Like, 
Some of those guys you kind of never heard of because they had just one flash season. For the most part, that is a list of elite guys. Like DJ Moore is making the leap right now. What he's done since the week seven bye when the team like clearly looked like at what they were doing and said, you know what, we need to get this guy the ball much more than we are. Like what he's done since then has been wide receiver one caliber production. So we are right there with you. Rayvon, what do you think? Because you're the one who's highest on him this yeah, week. Yeah, I like so and this surprised me because you kind of talked about, you know, since the bye, they've been trying to get him more involved. We're now in we we're we're done with 12 games in the season, and DJ Moore's median for targets is 10. His median, not the average, which can get, you know, obviously skewed by a, a couple of big games, but the median full a full season for Moore. Uh, is 10 targets and that's really hard to beat uh, and hard to sustain this late into the season so yeah I'm, I'm right there with you guys and, and I think uh, the potential absence of Greg Olson uh, could open up even more looks and, and we're seeing that a lot with that's a takeaway that I've started to notice with these younger unproven quarterbacks they are targeting their number one receivers and maybe they're not as good at making progressions and going through all the reads but like we've seen it with Cortland Sutton we've seen it with with Galladay uh, and Jones, like we, the, the guys that are supposed to get the ball are still getting the ball, even when you have, um, you know, the, the, these kind of quarterbacks you look at and say, hey, maybe they're not the greatest. So, um, yeah, I think you keep riding DJ Moore here. Raybon, who else are you high on besides DJ Moore? Devontae Parker continues to be a, a guy that, listen, talk about fading uh, Patrick Laird. Somebody has to get targets on this Dolphins team. And uh, for the past, uh, really since Ryan Fitzpatrick has taken back over, it's been Parker. The Jets are one of, per football outsiders, one of eight teams in the league, uh, allowing at least 80 schedule adjusted receiving yards per game to opposing uh, number one wide receivers. So uh, I think Parker, you know, his price is going up in DFS. I think maybe some people will get scared off, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, we've seen this out of him before. I mean, he had that, kind of monster stretch in Tampa Bay where he's putting up ridiculous fantasy numbers, you know, just throwing, chuck, chucking it downfield. Uh, and right now, same thing's going on with, with, uh, with him and Parker. And it, it just helps that they really have hardly anyone else to, to go to at this point. So I'm expecting another uh, big week out of, out of Parker. Okay, so I'm looking at the rankings right now. This is hilarious. So I made the ranking last night. I have Parker at 19. I wanted to see what uh, corner had his ranking at. He had him at 14. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm a little bit low on him. And then this morning I look and Raybon has Devontae Parker at number four. And it's like, Holy all right, shit. well, uh, maybe, maybe I'm a little low on him. Targets, Targets. like at this point in the year, I just like love the target, kind of the locked in targets for these guys, like like DJ Moore and and uh, and Parker. Like they're seeing consistent double. Like Parker's been seeing you know double digit targets since uh, Preston Williams went down. It's just something that it's a very rare thing. We've seen it with Devontae Adams a a bit, but it's one of those rare things that you don't you don't get too often. So just just kind of following the targets here. Yeah. Sean, who are you relatively high on? So I mentioned earlier on the show, but uh, Robbie Anderson at home against the Dolphins at 5,100. I think, you know, it's always this time of year that he he comes alive and just we, we can never over, overlook him when that happens. And, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick just playing out of his mind has kept the other team in it enough. And, you know, that helps boost the other team's passing game. So I think some Darnold, Robbie Anderson, Devontae Parker game stacks We'd be pretty nice here. Um, so I'll be targeting that game pretty heavily. Um, and then Will Fuller, I always mention it. I, I love buying low on Will Fuller. Um, you know, he's coming off a bad game last week. 
um, against the Patriots. Although he did, you know, he had that 35-yard touchdown that got overturned. Um, but he's on the cheaper side at 5,500 at home against the Broncos, where I'm guessing uh, Chris Harris will be chasing DeAndre Hopkins around. So this is a potential blow-up spot for Fuller where he could be lower on. So these are always spots where I think it's, it's wise to invest a bit in Will Fuller. How many almost touchdowns does Will Fuller have this year? Like at six? Least, at least four or five. Yeah, maybe six. Because yeah. I, mean, I, I think he's, he's, dropped or, he's dropped or hasn't completed the catch for four of them. And then there were a couple where he was tackled at the one-yard line. I mean, it's just yep. – it's, it's ridiculous. One guy I'm relatively high on is Cooper Cup. Uh, I think he has a good matchup in the slot this week against Seattle, who's starting Akeem King uh, now. Uh, and he's, you know, kind of like – just all around uh, defensive back, you know, safety slash slot corner. Um, I think it's a pretty good matchup. So interested in Cooper Cup there. Nelson, who is someone or a couple players you're relatively down on? Uh, guys that I'm down on, I, w- I was actually going to mention just one more guy that I think is kind of sneaky, if that's okay, uh, in DFS is uh, Jacoby Myers. Uh, because when I looked at that game, um, Brady uh, was kind of like, you could kind of read his lips that he was really frustrated with his receivers uh, in that game and the communication. And that's actually been talked about now with Josh McDaniels and through the media. And I actually think that Jacoby Myers is going to be kind of his go-to guy with the Chiefs maybe focusing on Edelman as like, you know, hey, we got to take Edelman away and then he's got nobody. So just wanted to mention him, but as far as guys that I'm, I'm probably not high on that, you know, everyone else compared to the public, Michael Thomas, I'm probably not going to be, you know, playing him, even though he, he's a monster. So, you know, between him and McCaffrey, that's probably a little contrarian considering their usage. Uh, so he's, he's one guy I'm not high on. And then probably the other guy not really interested in is Sutton. People are going to be a little biased where he's just been getting it done, had a big game, two touchdowns last week. He'll be a guy that I'll probably just leave alone. Don't really have anything to like back it up, you know, football wise necessarily, but just based on his price and everything, I'm, I'm probably not interested in him. All right, Sean, what about you? Who are you relatively low on? So I was going to say uh, I was relatively low on Tyreek Hill, and I saw that you guys have – so I have him six right now, which is pretty low, and you guys have him 13th and 19th. So I don't even know if I could <laughs> say he's low, but I haven't seen ECR yet. But, um, you know, I was going to say his his price of 8100 is insane on DK. I think if, just looking at median projections, um, he is definitely not worth that price. He's one of the lowest plus minuses on in the Fancy Labs models right now. But having said that, anytime you can get Tyreek Hill, I think he's going to be pretty low on this week. Anytime you can get him low owned, I think he still has the massive upside despite the tough matchup. So uh, I think it's impossible to fade him completely in GPPs, but certainly at that price, you don't want any part of him in like cash games um, or anything like that. So while I'm low on him, I still think he has the upside to, to warrant that price. Just a few shares. Raybon, who are you relatively low on? The Chiefs receivers, I think. The Patriots, even if they get, you know, exploited a little bit on defense and have a bad game, they tend to kind of make you spread it around. So low on Tyreek, low on Sammy Watkins as well. Just I get the contrarian aspect of it, but I think there are better ways to kind of go about being contrarian this week, higher upside ways. Uh, another guy who had, who had a big game, and I was pretty high on him last week, but 
uh, Robert Woods, I'm a little lower on than the consensus this week. I, I just think that it, he, he's been a guy that hasn't really been able to find the end zone. And I think last week it benefited him that, that Brandon Cooks was back and, and taking some attention with, with uh, Patrick Peterson. That won't always be the case. And we're starting to see Cooks's target share take down into that. Uh, it's like 13%. And I think that'll start evening out and it'll probably come at the expense of, of Woods. Uh, because we've seen Cooper Cup kind of locked in to his target chain. If Gerald Everett is back, that 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 complicates matters even more. So uh, I think this is a week where I'm going to be low, uh, not touching too much woods. One guy I'm staying away from is Stefan Diggs. Uh, he's a boom bust guy, as you know we've seen throughout his career. Uh, he has a tough matchup against Darius Slay, and as we mentioned earlier, uh, as a home favorite, a pretty big home favorite, I could see the Vikings looking to run the ball and uh, just not really even needing to factor in Stefan Diggs. You know, we saw a similar situation last year in week 16. The Vikings won by almost 20 points, and, you know, Diggs had just two receptions for 10 yards. Uh, it's just a situation where they might not need to use him, and he has the tougher matchup one-on-one with Darius Slay. So probably staying away from him. Sean, give us the wide receiver prop. So th- this might be the first week in months that I've had Michael Thomas below 100 receiving yards. Tough matchup at home against the 49ers. So I want to hear where you guys are at on this. But right now I have his uh, receiving prop at 92 and a half. That's a good number. I have the projection actually for the over, but uh, I'm going to be pessimistic and still say under. I have him at, yeah, I do think that's a really good line because I have him at a uh, little over 94. So a couple yards over, I will go over just because every time we count out Michael Thomas, it's, he just puts up a monster game. And I think the, the Saints may actually struggle in this matchup overall, but that actually helps uh, Thomas game script wise, kind of in the same way that, you know, it, it kind of helped Devontae Adams rack up the targets. And if Thomas racks up targets, you know, his catch rate is, uh, north of 80 percent he's likely to uh to reel him in uh he was a guy that i was going in that i was a little bit down on so i'm i'm gonna say that that number is probably right on the money i'm gonna take the under though on it i think san francisco is pretty tough against the wide receiver sherman's probably going to be matched up uh with him quite a bit um i'm not sure if he when he moves into the slot what what exactly they're going to do but I got to think that Peyton, usually in tough matchups, Kamara seems to be the guy that kind of comes out of nowhere. And then in, in like easy matchups, Kamara does nothing. It's really frustrating. So I'm going to say that it's going to be more of a Kamara game, mix in, you know, Lat Murray, and it's going to be some like random, like Taysom Hill, you know. So I think Thomas is going to be like the guy that is not disappoint necessarily because I could see him catching like, you know, nine for like 75 80 something like that so I think that number is like right on the money yards wise all right let's get to the tight ends the three guys at the top of our rankings are George Kittle Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller and then obviously right underneath that there are a number of other good tight ends who might have their own issues Hunter Henry Zach Ertz Austin Hooper Nelson any guys that you think should be in that top tier along with Kittle Kelsey and Waller I'm gonna say Vance McDonald and for no other reason than he hasn't done anything all year, but it's Arizona. Everyone gets, gets it done against Arizona. So I'm going to say 
you, you got to play them. If it becomes an owner, it could become an ownership issue, though, if it looks like towards the end of the week that he's going to be super high owned, probably would actually fade him. So it's kind of funny. Right now, I'm super high on him because it's the premium matchup uh, for tight ends. But if like, for whatever reason, he's going to be like 30% owned, I'm probably going to get off him. But he's the guy that I would probably put in that group with those guys. Yeah, I mean, I imagine he will be popular just based on, uh, as you mentioned, the matchup and then specifically what uh, Higby did last week. Uh, I think people will kind of look at that and think, well, if Higby could do it, uh, you know, almost anyone could do it. But uh, he is, you know, priced up relative to where he has been, but still people might find a way to to talk themselves into him. Uh, Anyone else you are relatively high on this week? Probably Ian Thomas at minimum priced, basically. So, um, with Greg Olson, if he can't pass concussion protocol, he would be a guy that seems like pretty easy to just throw, put in your lineup and uh, make the other pieces uh, fit if you're uh, going to pay up at wide receiver or something like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that one. Sean, who are you relatively high on? The pricing this week's pretty bizarre. I don't really like many of the, the higher end tight ends. I think the mid tier guys are overpriced and I don't like any of the uh, scrubs this week. Um, Nelson's right. If, if Greg Olson is out, I'll, I'll probably have a lot of Ian Thomas, but the one guy near the top that sticks out to me is Hunter Henry. Um, he's only 5,100 um, and he's, he's at the top of uh, the labs models and plus minus right now. Um, he's coming off a bad game, but you know, that's, the nature of the tight end position. If we were to just fade every every tight end that's had a bad game, we wouldn't have anybody left. So uh, I expect him to bounce back. Um, he ran a route on 81% of the snaps, so it wasn't like he was staying in the block or anything. Um, so I look for him to bounce back against the Jaguars this weekend. 5100 is way too cheap. Um, he's he's almost a thousand dollars cheaper than some of the the top tier tier guys, which I consider him to be in. So um, I'll probably have a ton of Henry this week, just just based on um, where the pricing is sort of sending me. Sean, it's kind of funny, like you mentioned, you don't really like uh, the pricing for the top guys. You don't like the pricing for the middle tier guys. And then you don't like the guys who are low priced. Doesn't that mean that they probably got pricing right? Like, yeah, well, they, they relatively did. Relatively speaking. I mean, they, they only got Hunter Henry wrong. That's basically right. the point. It's, right. it's like yeah. a price funnel situation. Yeah. Chris, who are you relatively high on? I like Noah Fant uh, for the Broncos this week going against Houston. Uh, this is a matchup where uh, Houston's their their weakness ha- is really over the the middle of the field. If you look at uh, DVOA, they are twice as bad. Uh, so there's a 36 percent gap in DVOA with the Texans in last place on, on passes over the short middle. Uh, you know, versus the second place team. So it's just been um, a a, situ- a sore spot for them. And I think especially with Sutton blowing up these past few weeks, you know, they're going to have to kind of account for him first. And Fant, since Emmanuel Sanders was uh, traded, he has been uh, getting a tw- uh, over a 23% target share. So a uh, lot to like here. And I, I always like to look out for uh, young guys with, with some talent this type of year, especially athletic talent uh, for breakout performances late in the year. Uh, put it together a little more and uh, these you know these guys you know everyone the defenders tend to be worn down too so uh, like the like a sneaky spot for uh, for Noah Fant this week. All right Nelson who are you relatively low on? It's probably Mark Andrews 
again, it's just it, Buffalo's like been really, I don't have the statistics in, in front of me, but just watching the games, Buffalo just seems like they're, they're elite against tight ends. So that would be a guy that I would be uh, fading. Sean, what about you? Um, so I'm, I'm fading all these 4,500 guys like uh, Jack Doyle, Ryan Griffin, Vance McDonald, Kyle Rudolph. Um, you know, I, their projections aren't terrible, but like I mentioned earlier, they're just overpriced this week at tight end. Um, it doesn't really make sense to spend up for sort of touchdown dependent guys that have a pretty low floor still. So uh, I'd be more willing to spend down for like a Mike Gusecki at 4K if I'm going to go that route. So I think all those guys are going to be over on this week and I'm, I'm just fading them completely. Like it. Raybon, what do you think? I mean, relative to the field, uh, I don't think I'm going to have Travis Kelsey as high. Um, I have him as my tight end four right now. I think you still uh, have to respect the New England defense, even if they've had, if they have shown some chinks in the armor. And if you look back, like they're going to prioritize Hill and Kelsey and, and they've been good about taking, you know, or at least limiting uh, not just one, but two, you know, top options because, of course, they have Gilmore who can who can do so such good work. You know, on, on one player. So, uh, in the AFC Championship game, Kelsey got a touchdown, but he only caught three passes for twenty three yards. So you're kind of treading, you know, thin ice there if he doesn't if he doesn't cash in on that score. And then in the uh, in, in the regular season matchup, uh, five catches for sixty one scoreless yards. So uh, not 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 really a smash spot for. Uh, Kelsey and I think you know again it is like you guys said it's pretty ugly slate but I think a lot of the other stud tight ends have just as much upside uh, as Kelsey this week. Sean the tight end prop for this week is Travis Kelsey I'm wondering as Raybon was talking how much did you adjust the line? Yeah also Nelson made some good points about potentially you know having Gilmore cover him so I think Nelson would be sort of leaning towards the under as well. So I bumped him down a few yards. I'm just trying to get it right. I mean, I'm not trying to be sneaky. This is a tough uh, projection to get right this week. So, um, yeah. So right now I have it, after all my adjustments, I have it at 64 and a half. I think that's where sportsbooks will have it this week. I have it at 63. So I think, again, great line. Uh, going, yeah. uh, Taking the under. I have it at 66. So I, I think you're – you're there. I'll, I'll take the over, but I, I think it's pretty close. Now, could somebody tell me who, uh, how this backfield is going to break out in Kansas City? No. <laughs> Do we, I mean, Damian Williams is questionable still, right? Or is he, is he looking good to go? He hasn't even practiced. since. Yeah. I, I think it's a yeah. pain thing, so he might not be back. Oh, well, I mean, Darwin Thompson already broke out last game. Hopefully we could just see him run away um, with it. Nelson, where are you on the prop? You know, I, I think if you want to get action on both sides uh, of it, I think you got to drop it into the fives. So like 58 and a half, like I think would get a lot of action on the, on the over. And I think that would still be really close and I would still take the under. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking at at 64, I'm taking the under. Okay. Um, Nelson, talk a little bit about uh, Arbor Pro and what it is that you guys do there. Arbor Pro is really like brand new. It's it's not really a, a name. That we're trying to get it out there. Uh, a friend of mine has uh, created um, Arbor Pro. His name's Derek Pearson. I've partnered with him in uh, season-long fantasy football uh, through the years. His vision was to try to create a uh, website to try to cater to uh, season-long players. What we've done is we've kind of piggybacked off of it, and I created a uh, mentorship program 
And with that mentorship program, what I'm doing, it, it was application-based. So it wasn't like just, hey, sign up, we'll take your money. It was actually, I, I sent out an application to see like what guys were looking for and how they wanted to get better at fantasy football. And then I picked who I wanted to mentor. And I only wanted to pick a select few. It's taken off and, you know, I, I get the email of the guy, you know, I've sucked ass, you know, in my local leagues, you know, for years and, and my friends have always made fun of me. And like this year I made the playoffs and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to punk them, you know? So like, it, it's been really cool. I enjoy that part of it. Uh, besides being, you know, a fantasy player is I do like helping others and I, I do get satisfaction out of, you know, that feedback of, you know, those guys doing well. So, you know, try to make them better fantasy players. All right, Nelson, thanks for jumping on the show with us. All right, thank you. Follow him on Twitter at the underscore franchise 12. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. And also check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.